support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Chris Kyle Photography Podcast. is to establish how it is that you first got into photography. So what made you pick up a camera for the first time? Um, I picked up a camera for the first time officially probably when I was seven or eight. My parents bought me a Polaroid. I think it's just the regular 100 it was called or something like that, something similar. Um, I probably shot that for a little bit and then just put it back down. Um after that, I picked up my first digital, uh, I want to say when I was 17, um, right. just a small Olympus, Olympus point and shoot. Um, it had a macro feature that I was like kind of obsessed with for a while, taking photos of bugs and flowers and nature and stuff like that. And then I pretty much took... I pretty much took black and white photography in college and became obsessed with the darkroom process. Uh, didn't really go to a lot of my other classes and also failed photography that year due to not handing in my final project on time. But <laughs> I was pretty much in the darkroom all day long, helping a teacher, helping other students, just because I was in there so often, I could like help them with small problems that they had, et cetera. Um, and after, after the college class, I picked up digital and shot digital from when I was maybe 20 or 19, all the way until maybe a year and a half ago now, in which I started okay. shooting mostly film. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the things that I find quite interesting with you is you seem to shoot film and digital, and it seems to be for entirely different purposes. Yeah. What is it about? What is it about film, and what is it about digital that you find so different that you sort of use them differently? Um, digital. Well, the way photography has worked for me is I tend to not stay on a certain subject matter for too long. Um, I did a lot of nature photography in the beginning and then I concentrated on beach photography for a little while, specifically long exposure stuff. Um, and then I got really into bird photography and that was pretty challenging. So that kept me going for a little while. Um, the long, I had to get like a little bit longer lens and, um, you know, be real quiet and creepy and stuff like that. I got right. bored with the bird stuff. And meanwhile, the whole time I was pretty much assisting at um, weddings. So I assisted at weddings for maybe like a year when I was pretty young, maybe 20, and then started second shooting a little bit. Um, and then I just second shot weddings pretty much. And I still second shoot weddings. So I never stopped doing that. But I just kept kind of going through different genres of photography up until now, portraits. Landscape has always been a main one just because I can never get it perfectly the way I want. Um, but I've stuck with digital just because I guess that's the generation I was born into. Um, even though I had so much fun with the film stuff and the black and white, 
digital was just so simple. And when I was young, I was learning Photoshop. I graduated right into Photoshop because Lightroom was just terrible back then. Or not even existent, possibly. I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, just like getting used to the editing and trying all these crazy filters in Photoshop and eventually like getting a grasp on Photoshop. Because back when I started photography, there wasn't YouTube and all these tutorials and stuff. So I pretty much learned all that I know about photography in general from a website called Photography on the Net. It's kind of like a Canon-based photography forum that's pretty huge. Like it's huge. It encompasses all brands, but it's a main. It's mainly a Canon forum. Right. Um, and I would just submit my photos. People would critique them. I would ask people's opinions. I would make adjustments, go out, try different things. I would submit more photos. It's pretty much just like a classroom kind of thing, except you have all these way more experienced photographers giving you like full critiques. You know, and I always tell people like, don't hold back. Tell me this. Tell me that. You know, don't worry about it. Okay, well, let's let's talk about that though, because lots of people don't like to have their work critiqued. They don't really like anything negative. I feel like we've got this yeah. tremendous. I, I I don't want to be controversial, but I definitely think it's an American thing. It's become a very much a British thing lately with this expression of like haters and that any negativity yeah. towards what you do has to come from a place of jealousy or hate. And that kind of I think that creates an ego problem where people think that they're completely infallible unless it's from bad motivation. Why do you like the, or maybe not like, but why do you get so much productivity out of negative feedback? Um, it doesn't even have to be like negative feedback either. Just any kind of feedback about something like, obviously someone could critique you and say they don't like this or that about the photo, but that can always be like a personal preference thing too. So depending on who the critique's coming from, you would kind of take it with, you know, or like a grain of salt, like how you would want to take that critique. But you know, a better critique would just be, I see that you're trying to do this or go in this direction, maybe try and do this or do that. And it'll help you down the line with this problem, or it'll help you with the problems that you're currently having, um, et cetera. And I, even, even that kind of critique, I feel like people still get down on themselves. They think that like people don't like their work. And I mean, Instagram, in my opinion, is like a huge problem with that. Right. And I know, like, you know, you said you didn't want to get controversial, but, like, I have no problem getting controversial about it. <laughs> oh, please, then then have at it, especially with Instagram. Please go for it. Yeah, I mean, just... I mean, I try and... I'm a very technical-based photographer. It's kind of like a, a gift and a curse. Like, I really enjoy that aspect. But, you know, my friend Jeff tells me that, you know, I, I paint myself into a box sometimes and I don't let myself break out of that box because of technical aspects that I want to be perfect in the photograph. Um, but even with the way I am, I would, if everyone that commented on my photos on Instagram would just tell me things that they would like to see me do better in that photo or a way that they think that I can improve the photo, that would be like all I would want to read. Right. I wouldn't even want to, you know, like they don't even have to comment like awesome photo or anything. I was having a conversation last week with a, a very prominent photographer in the UK and he had shared basically a, an entire story about how 
pissed off he was with constantly getting comments that were like, awesome, amazing, great, super. And it just, he was like, that's just nothing. You're just commenting for the sake of it so that someone has a look at your work. And this all of this reciprocal feedback that's actually completely worthless. And it actually ends up stagnating people because they just become so happy with the smell of their own farts, basically. Yeah, that, so the commenting with like awesome and stuff like that, I get that people want you to look at their work as well. In our film community here, um, that like, I guess I feel like I'm a part of in the US kind of, um, there is a lot of that, which I think should change, but I don't feel like it's too much of come look at my work. I think that they just want to say good job or great job, but don't. Like sometimes some people don't know what to comment on the photo or like yeah. how to comment on the photo. Um, so like I still say good job and stuff like that too. But if there's something that I like or think that they're doing a really good job of, that's when I leave like real comments, like color contrast look on point, like love that there's no uh, color cast or, you know, your micro contrast is crazy stuff like that, like things that, you know, they're probably working on to try and perfect that I think will give them a boost of motivation. Like, oh, people are noticing that I'm working on this problem that I have or, you know, whatever. And maybe they'll get excited and try harder because getting my colors the way that I wanted them in film once I moved over to film was my biggest challenge and what I worked hardest on. I spent all of my time trying to get my colors the way I wanted them and concentrated only like kind of on subject matter. So I'm just kind of like shooting around Buffalo and doing some car stuff. And with COVID, we can't do any portraits. So I'm, you know, super pissed about that. But (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's, let's talk about your portraits. I find that there's a real shortage of portrait photographers these days that aren't just following trends. And I definitely don't put you in that bracket, which is fantastic. When it comes to taking portraits, what's your sort of directorial style? How do you communicate with your subject? Um, the communication between me and my subjects is probably my weakest aspect. And I'm sure it is for a lot of other people. Um, I don't in my head I don't imagine myself as being awesome with the way I manipulate light and position my models but I think it might be slightly subconscious where I usually get kind of close to the look that I wanted when I'm finished so I think that the lighting is I'm doing like a decent job with that but as far as like talking to the models and you know giving them direction and stuff like that that's my weakest my weakest aspect of my portrait work. So I try to have like a very laid back style if I can and try and like, you know, get them in a laid back position, like try and make some jokes in the beginning, you know, talk about things that they love in life while we're like walking to the spot. Um, my friend Jeff, who I shoot a lot of film and digital with, he's much better at talking to the models and putting them at ease. And we do a lot of shooting together. So three of the portraits that I recently posted of Lauren, his, that photo shoot that I did was with my friend, Jeff, who was also shooting film. And we both were positioning and moving him at the same time. Sometimes Jeff was holding the scrim and talking to the, talking to Lawrence. And sometimes I would say, Oh, move your head this way. And Jeff would say, Oh, bring your chin up a little bit because he can notice light, excuse me, coming from like the other way. So I, I do feel like um, 
that is something that I have to work on above a lot of other things. Well, I think one thing that gets confused quite often, I mean, I, I have taught some workshops in the past to do with portraits and it's the idea that there's like a right way to do stuff, especially when it comes to direction. Um, I feel like, mm-hmm. you, like if you're quite an introverted person, you're quite a quiet person and someone mm-hmm. tells you that the best way to direct is to be as loud and, and sort of abrupt as possible. It's just going to look out of character and you're not going to be comfortable doing it. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, with um, your directorial style, are you quite focused on like managing body position and stuff, or are you are you just talking to them generally as you're shooting? So with digital, obviously you have much more freedom because of autofocus. So I can talk to the model and just shoot and talk and shoot, and um, I usually don't have to worry too much about the focus although i do shoot very very wide open almost like a hundred percent of the time so when i'm shooting at like 1.2 i usually use live view and manual focus even on my digital camera or on my digital camera just because i don't want to get home and have missed any of those shots because you can't even really tell on the back of the camera if you actually nailed it or not um and then as far as film it's much more like static, I guess. Um, We're moving the model and then when they're in the position that we think is a great shot or they're moving and we're like, oh, hold that. And then you go in and you're trying to grab the angle and make sure you get the focus and stuff like that. So it's a, a much slower process on film. Bit of a broad question I'd like to ask you, but what is it that that shooting portraits actually does for you? What do you enjoy about it? Uh, It's, it's uh, the most, technical part of photography or genre of photography that I've come across. I mean, landscape is pretty technical in my opinion to get landscape photos that are extremely 3d and have a lot of depth with like perfect lighting and perfect sky retention. And, um, just, you know, across the board often takes a lot of work and a lot of skill and post-processing. Um, so that, was always really technical. But once I started doing portraiture, I realized that I have to bring everything together that I know from all the other genres of photography, but now I have to interact with the person and, you know, listen to them and they listen to me. And there's like a mutual respect and a situation going on between the two of you. And, you know, you learn about this person that you didn't know before you, you know, sometimes you're walking to and from spots. Sometimes you even get a drink with them after you find out things about their life. like a small friendship's almost created. Right. Yeah. So the whole interaction is just much better. And it's also extremely difficult to just get crazy good portrait work going on. I mean, you can take some portraits and be real happy with them, but to blow your own self away takes like a lot of work in my opinion. hundred percent. Um, when it comes to the split that you've got between shooting digital and film, do you have like set genres that are specifically for one or the other, or is it just split in the sense of what you feel like going into a job? So moving over from digital to film, I literally just want to do everything that I do with digital, but with film, because it's just so much harder. So any, all, I just carried over all of my interests pretty much. Um, the way I see the world in digital isn't different than the way I see the world in film. It's the same. I mean, if I'm shooting 
you know, said film stock, um, I might choose my subject matter differently based on that. And obviously the speed of film and all that other stuff. But as far as the subjects that I want to shoot or go out and shoot, et cetera, it's all the same to me. Let's talk film stocks. What are your go-to film stocks? Um, when I, when I first started shooting film, I just shot a lot of Portrait 400. Um, that's a good mid range or I guess high speed film, I guess you would say. Um, you could shoot it in the middle of the day, pretty much. You could shoot it early morning at sunrise. You can carry it over into the evening. Um, it pushes easy, et cetera. Um, I got kind of bored with the portrait look and the desaturated color. And you see a lot of it online though. So with seeing all of the overexposed images and the, like the more muted color look, I just kind of didn't want to do it anymore. Um, and my friend Alex, uh, clouds of delusion was shooting a decent amount of XR in the beginning and he was loving the XR. So I grabbed like a roll or two and I shot and it was phenomenal. And I was like instantly hooked. It was everything that I wanted. And I wasn't shooting XR because from what I was seeing online from examples, people were just shooting landscapes a lot. And I wasn't, I mean, I didn't look very hard, but what I saw on like, you know, Google images or whatever, when I was checking out film stocks in the beginning was just a lot of underexposed landscapes that were like the filmy look and very faded in the shadows and stuff like that. And that's not like the look that I wanted. Um, so I shoot a decent amount of Portra 400 when I shoot people. I'm just getting into Portra 160 just so I can shoot wide open in different situations. Uh, same as 400, same situation. But XR, uh, black and whites, I would do T-Max 400, Delta 3200. Getting into slide film a lot now. That's probably going to be like my next thing. I'm probably going to kick XR to the curb in like a week or so <laughs> and just only shoot slide film. <laughs> and then, uh, oh, Cinestill. I went on a Cinestill kick for like a couple months of just shooting that straight. Because I love night photography. I loved it on digital and I wanted to do it on on film, but I don't like the color being changed from what I see in reality. I know that's kind of like a film thing, like you choose a stock and then those are the colors you're getting, but I like that very clean. I like my whites to look white. Um, the shadows, I don't have a problem if they go toward blue or a different color, but... So I, st- I started trying the Cinestill and I liked the, you know, the cool trendy red circle halo halation around the, uh, the brightest highlights and stuff. So I shot that for like two, three months straight. And then I got really pissed at Cinestill because they can never keep their film in stock. And then <laughs> I started to shoot Vision 500T. I found a guy in Hong Kong that hand rolls the IMAX film uh, so I could shoot 120 because I don't really like 35 millimeters very much. Okay. So I wanted to just shoot it on 120 and I I was shooting all of this on my Fuji GW 690. Um, the 500 the T was fun. I only done it once though. And I did the Remjet removal and all that. Um, that was like a cool thing to do. And they came out pretty great. I mean, the blacks were pretty black and I didn't get a lot of shadow detail, but the time that I chose to shoot 
was kind of like this blue hour mixing into just darkness. And I think I gave myself a really tough contrasty situation to put a test roll through. <laughs> right. um, the colors are great and everything though. And I liked the shots, but they could, they could have been better shots. I wasn't like hundred percent happy with them at all. If you don't mind me jumping back real quick, um, you just mentioned not really liking 35 compared to medium format. Why? Um, to be honest, there's not really like an actual reason. It's too many shots per roll for me. Um, I'm very selective about the shots that I take. And even though film slows you down and makes you wait for the images, I can't wait that long. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I do yeah. I develop and scan all my stuff. So I'll go out and I'll crush like a roll of 12 on the Hasselblad and then or you know, eight shots on the Fuji and I, I'm excited. So if I have time, I go home, I develop them, I hang them, I go do whatever and then I scan them. With these, uh, with 35 millimeter, you know, I have an amazing 35 millimeter camera. I have uh, an FM2N, a Nikon. It's stunning. It's a beautiful camera. It's amazing to look at. Um, the sound is great. Speed up to four thousandths of a second. It, it it kills it. But with so many shots, I can't. It takes like two weeks to get through a roll for me, and I can't switch out rolls. So, also, I don't really like the resolution that much in detail. That's like leaning into my technical side. So there's like technical reasons I don't like thirty five as much. I just like a cleaner image all around i guess but um just with the scanning i've made like some tweaks to my scanning process and scanning the 35 millimeter is a much better situation now so they're much cleaner images so i'm gonna start to give 35 millimeter more of a go now and see how it goes so if i can get through some rolls i should be pretty happy with the scans like after that in the beginning when i was shooting 35 millimeter I liked it a lot more because I was getting scans back from like the fine lab and they were just amazing. They just looked great. Um, but still taking forever to get through a roll is like a turn off for me. You mentioned earlier that you really enjoyed your time in the darkroom. Are you still developing your own film? I developed pretty much everything. Um, color, black and white, now slide. Um, I only did black and white when I was in school. And... The obsession with the dark room was definitely not the developing. It was the printing and using the enlarger and stuff. So I lost all that. Um, the developing is definitely fun. If, if people, if people are afraid to develop, I would just tell them, don't be afraid and just do it. And even if you mess up your first test roll, the second roll will come out fine. Even the first roll will come out fine. You won't mess it up. And then you'll be a part of the entire process, which is, it adds tenfold to the enjoyment of shooting film. It's like the whole creation process is pretty much why I shoot film other than having gotten like kind of bored with the digital thing, just shooting the image, going home, developing it, not screwing it up, checking the negatives when they come off the reel, you're super excited. You hang them, you're looking at them. You come back in the bathroom to check them hanging. They're starting to curl too much. You're like, oh shit, is it like too dry in here or whatever? <laughs> Should I turn like the faucet on to get some humidity or something? I don't know. It's like help them. Uh, and then the scanning thing and you see everything through the whole time. So you're in charge of color, contrast, everything. 
Whereas when I was getting stuff back from a lab, even though I liked the images, there's no way to judge if you under or overexposed it a little bit or if there were imperfections in the frame and they just fixed it. How much did they t- tweak the colors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think like developing would be a huge part of people learning how to get their exposure right, which to me is like one of the most important things. I absolutely agree with you about it being a lot easier than than probably people realize. I, I recently, within lockdown, started to develop film on my own for the first time. And the first few roles right. was absolutely was absolutely perfect. I had no problems at all. It was actually, I think, like the fifth or sixth role where I started to become a bit too confident with it. it was when I made my first yeah. mistake. Um, but that's kind of the fun of it, right? Is is making the mistakes and and you know, learning from them. That's kind of the fun of it. Um, I want to ask you a question that takes us in a completely different direction, if that's okay, because I'm kind of interested in this and maybe I might be the only person in the world that's interested, but I see you primarily as a film photographer because that's where I first came across your work. Um, what do you use in terms of your digital gear? Um, I shoot on a 5D Mark III and I have, do I have? I have a 17 to 40 F4 shoot man a 35 1.4 and 85 1.2 a 135 1.8 um i have a second canon body of i still have a 5d2 but i don't shoot that really it's just like a backup and then i have you know various studio gear and stuff strobes what do you make of the um the shift of like companies like Fuji to make digital cameras that have the aesthetic of being a film camera but they're just they're a digital camera in essence? Um I I don't have like a problem really with people just like throwing emulated filters on stuff to make it look like film. I mean, you can always say, you know, why wouldn't you just shoot film? Um to be honest though, it's like a huge changeover and investment to go into the film world so you can't just kind of tell someone oh why don't you just go shoot film sure they could you know just grab a a point and shoot or an slr then send their stuff off to the lab but um i think if people want to do the film look they're just going to do it themselves in photoshop anyway so the fact that fuji is putting it in their camera just makes it easier for people and um i don't know yeah, people are going to do it anyway. It, I'm sure there's like a bunch of negative aspects too. I mean, less people might want to shoot film. You know, no one's really learning any editing techniques if they're just slapping a filter that the camera gives them right on the photo. Right. I mean, I know the Fuji cameras are se- are sexy, so I don't know. I don't know how I actually feel about the film presets that they have in there, but those cameras are beautiful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're really really beautifully designed. I I would. Um... Yeah, I'd be more than happy with an X Pro Three if someone was giving me uh, giving them away. Yeah, with the fact that you're shooting Canon DSLRs digitally, have you not considered potentially something like um, an EOS One or an EOS Three for the sort of the ability to still shoot film but have access to those lenses? Yeah, so um, I've you know I grew up uh, hanging out with Alex uh, Clouds of Delusion and he has like a bunch of film cameras. So he, I think he has an EOS one. I count the three. I think it's a one. It's giant, right? It, it looks like a, a one DX pretty much. Yep. I think. Yeah. So I brought, I brought my digital gear or some of it when we went on a backpacking trip and he brought like his Instamax, his point and shoot, uh, his Hasselblad, <laughs> his, 
his EOS one, his EOS one. And he's like carrying all this shit. I'm like, you're crazy, man. That's like an extra 30 pounds. on your back. But when we got there, I was like, Oh, I wonder if I should try grabbing one of these. Cause then I can throw my 85 on there and, you know, give that a whirl. Just, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't checked out prices or really looked into it. Cause like, again, it's 35 millimeter and I have like this love hate with 35 millimeter. If it was a medium format camera that I could just take and throw my Canon lenses on. I would definitely do that. <laughs> that's, that's fair enough. Um, a bit of a broad question. I do like to ask slightly broad questions on this. What impact do you want your photography to have on the people that are seeing it? I, I'd be happy with any kind of feeling if it made them feel angry, sad, um, even if it was the opposite feeling of what I was trying to portray. I mean, if it's pulling something out of them emotionally, um, I guess that's what art's all about. So just an emotional draw. Um, my images, though, I don't think my images give people too much of like anything. I don't know if that's just like me hating on my own work. I mean, I don't do anything that's like super artsy or. I mean, I love to start doing that and try doing that, but usually the stuff that I consider really, really artsy, that's not the kind of like work that I shoot. I just shoot for myself and for fun pretty much. Um, so if people see an image and they're like, Oh, that's really cool, you know, or Oh, I love that car or this portrait is beautiful, you know, then I'm happy with that. For you, what's the hardest part of photography? Um, hardest part of photography like in general between both mediums yeah i mean just the thing that kind of gives you the, the biggest resistance to getting what you want out of it Get, pushing myself onto the art, artistic side um i'm extremely technically based in how i shoot and i've had like extensive conversations with my friend jeff he's over at um film Cray on instagram and we shoot a lot together and like you know if you miss focus on something but the image is still amazing it would have to be like really amazing for me to still feel like it's an amazing image like a misfocus right. that's still like an awesome shot I, I probably wouldn't post it i probably would forget about it um jeff tells me that like you know i paint myself into a box i don't let myself expand out emotionally as much into photography because I just love the technical side so much that I get lost in there. Um, and I don't let myself do certain things that I might consider the wrong way to do it technically. Cause you know, when you're making art, there shouldn't be boundaries on how you're creating. Um, people, you shouldn't be telling yourself like, Oh, I can't do that because, Technically, that's not like the way a perfect photograph should look or blah, 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 like in my own mind. Is that an OCD thing, though, do you think? Yeah, I have a lot of OCD. <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes like when I can just be shooting handheld, I'll still use my tripod just because it forces me to like fully, fully compose the shot like exactly the way I want. And I, I can be 100% sure that you know, my depth of field preview is giving me from here to there in focus and I can throw my mirror lock up on. So instead of taking an image handheld at like, you know, F4 or 5.6 on one of my film cameras, I can take it at 11 or something if that's what I wanted to do, even though it's like daytime, I won't take the shot at 5.6. I'll 
my tripod's always with me no matter what. Like no matter what, it's either in my car or I'm carrying it, which sucks because it's kind of large. Um, something that I've found lately, and obviously this could be entirely geographical, but with the lockdown and, and the restrictions on movement and not being able to get out and shoot probably as freely as I'd like, I'm finding it quite hard to motivate myself kind of creatively to do anything with photography. And it's, it's, it's a little bit of a creative depression, I would say. What is it that's kind of inspiring you at the moment to keep, keep doing what you're doing? So when the whole, uh, COVID thing started, we never really fully had like a full lockdown. So while it was like super frowned upon to go out and do things in public, I never really felt like I was contributing to anything negatively by going out because I go out before sunrise or after sunset and the places that I go and the things I shoot, there aren't people around. So even when I'm there, I wouldn't even like have to wear a mask. I would just be shooting with no one around and whatever. But I was motivated by the lockdown pretty much to just strap in and work on my color i use that as an opportunity to do i i just do tons and tons of reading and tons and tons of like cross-referencing of what people say on the internet and what people say on instagram and um negative lab pro i've been like you know chest deep in that since i found out about it and in their forum and cross-referencing that with like internet stuff and so i just took all those months to like work on my color and seeing color cast that may or may not exist like in the photo and stuff like that. And the last question I'll ask, I really do appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, the last question is about, are there any photo cliches that kind of bug you or piss you off or that you just can't stand seeing um, when you're flicking through Instagram or whatever? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's like a million, I mean, they don't like personally bother me. Um, it's funny because Speaking of, I guess, cliches or Instagram has like so many things that are just going on constantly with trends and all that. So like my friend Alex, he he was shooting film and he was in the community kind of and being successful way before I was. So he was like meeting a lot more people, seeing a lot more of like the work that was going around. and me coming over from digital into film, I knew all the things I hated about digital and I could immediately see all those things that I didn't like about film and how everyone kind of shoots all the same stuff and, you know, what's the deal with these old cars and these abandoned buildings and all the Americana and all this other stuff. And like, I would just make fun of it like constantly. And me and Alex would joke about it and we would argue about it. And now that I shoot a lot more film, they still are trends and all that, but I do kind of get what people love about it. Um, you know, when you go out and you shoot cars, you're, it's like the thrill of the hunt. You're going, you're trying to find like sweet cars or driving around. You're like, Oh, Oh crap. Look at that. You slam on the brakes. You turn around, you check it. How's the lighting? Um, it's, it's like a scavenger hunt kind of, and the abandoned building thing, that's always fun digital or film. Um, but I don't know, we were just rag on it like, oh, you know, shoot a bunch of cars, you'll get real popular on Instagram and <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but like digital, like I, it's, you can't even make fun of film because digital has so many worse trends that there's all the smoke bombs. There's, yeah. um, shooting crazy depth of field with something right in 
front of the camera in focus and then uh, just a bunch of bokeh like in the background and crazy color shifts between the highlights and the shadows and all these, I don't know, like the depth of depth of obsessed people on Instagram, like, like their whole crew and all that on all, yeah, just endless. Um, I don't know. There's like a million on digital though, a million trends that like I don't follow or I think are cool. All the fairy light stuff that everyone does. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'll give a bit of a shout out. There is a, a photography page on Instagram that I really like that takes the piss out of that kind of stuff, and it's called Trendy Photography Memes. And nice. depend depending on my me on my depending on my mood, it's either going to be a really enjoyable thing to see come up in my feed, or it'll just piss me off because I'm so sick of seeing it. My my yeah. current personal hate is the um the FaceTime photo shoot. I can't stand seeing that stuff. I'm so bored of it. What's the What's the FaceTime photo shoot? Okay, so basically what it is is where models and photographers couldn't meet up, what they would do is the model would like have their phone oh. out and then the, the photographer would take screenshots through FaceTime and then do like the most obnoxious skin edits and <laughs> yeah, it's just not for me. Each to their own, yeah. but it's definitely not for me. I think the the only issue that I really see with photography trends is getting lost in a trend. So whereas you if you really, really love shooting abandoned buildings, like by all means, like shoot a bunch of abandoned buildings. That's like your thing, you know, go, go crazy on that. Don't, but don't close yourself off to shooting other things that right. you might also be interested in, but you don't know because you only shoot abandoned buildings. So people shoot like a lot of buildings or cars. And then if that's all they shoot, they might not ever find the myriad of other genres of photography that are out there that they might just fall in love with. Just going through all the genres I've uh, gone through in photography, it just keeps making you a better photographer along the way. You know, you might just leave bird photography behind, but like when you see a crazy bird image on Instagram or wherever, you like if you shot for a photographer, you look at that shot and you're like, that was an insanely difficult shot to get. Like, look at this, look at this. Like, how the hell did he get that? This dude's legit, blah, blah, blah. So you have a different appreciation and you can look at things in a different way by having shot so many different genres. So when you fall into like a trend on digital or film, I feel like it's taking, you're taking away from yourself. Yeah. And what you could learn going from one genre to another, because there's stuff that I've done within yeah. weddings that's fed into the way that I do portraits and, and vice versa. Yeah. There's stuff I've yeah. done with street photography that I'm now sort of, I'm slowly picking up that it would work great within um, shooting candid stuff within weddings. So you can always take information from one genre and apply it to another. Yeah. I was just going to say, you could take uh, zone focusing, the zone focusing system from street photography and just throw that into a wedding. And when people are, you know, moving about, if you can zone focus on a, a manual focus film camera, you could just be nailing shots that you would never be able to nail before. 100%. Uh, most important part of the podcast is that everyone knows where they go to find your work. So please tell us where everyone should be headed right now to look at what you do. Um, I'm pretty much just on Instagram now. I took my website down a while ago, but you can find me at Risen Before Dawn um, on Instagram. And my digital is uh, the Brief Moment Project. Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Chris. It was a lot of fun.